I'm David Palaszczuk, author of the best-selling book, Branding But the Commercialization of Cannabis, the first book on cannabis branding. My guest this week is Ariel Peope, founder of Lyra Canagars, a Washington-based luxury cannabis cigar brand. His smokable creations often come gold or platinum wrapped and cost upwards of $10,000. He and his Canagars have been featured on Vice's Most Expensivist, hosted by Two Chains. Ariel is on his way to building a national luxury cannabis brand, and we're about to get the inside scoop. Listen in to learn more about Ariel and his take on luxury cannabis. Let's jump in, shall we? Is it business as usual? Is it business better than usual? Uh, business as usual, you know. Yeah, flower sales have been great, but I mean, not going to lie, the, the Lyra sales have um, dropped just a little, just because, you know, we're not having a lot of events and social gatherings. So. And that's what Lear is about, is, you know, having that laboratory product. It's just not conducive right now during the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah, it's, 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 it's crazy. It looks like we're going to have another year of this. I know you've also done some things with hemp. Is that helping at all, just because it's sort of a way around, you know, potentially the dip for you in, uh, in, in cannabis sales? Yeah, yeah, that's helped out a lot, because a lot of people that want to taste it the first out of state can get it if anything and um we've, we've been starting to roll Anagars and uh d8 uh and that's that's also been a big hit now with the d8 THC. do you see a canagar as is something that's uh that's like a pre-roll or a joint is that something that is really social or is that something that somebody shows up with on their own and it's theirs um i see it as both you know, some people they like to smoke, smoke themselves people like to sh- I, I think after this pandemic, people are going to be more, more, uh, have, have, oh, yeah. <laughs> even, even follow. So they're going to be careful about like who they're sharing with or people in general or anything. Your experience and time, you know, in the industry runs deep. Would you, would you mind like sharing how you got started? Well, I got started. Actually, I was, I was a late, um, cannabis smoker. I didn't start smoking weed till like what 2008, and you know I I tried it like a few times in high school, but I didn't know anything much about it. And then uh, I got a seed in one of my butts, and I started growing. <laughs> and that's when I uh, was fascinated about how about everything about the plant. I grew, and then uh, I started making edibles with the almond toffee and this and that, and then. Um, you know, it's just hard trying to sell stuff in, in the medical market. It seemed like at the time, all everyone cared potency instead of like quality or even taste or anything. They just want to get like ripped and, you know, trying to trying to uh, influence people to like try this high-end chocolate. They, they were just like, oh, well, how many milligrams are this and that? You know, plus you had so many, so many um, edibles out there to compete with. And, um... Yeah, and then, um, well, one thing that motivated me is I got tired of people um, saying that, you know, cannabis would never be, like, um, respected like any other tobacco and alcohol because it, it, it seemed more appealing to, like, kids from the streets and stuff like that. But I wanted to show people there are professionals that that love um, cannabis and that are fully functional and they don't, they don't all like to hawk loogies when they smoke their joints, you know. They have, they have class. <laughs> And that's why I created this brand because I saw what 
liquor and uh, tobacco was doing with the high-end cigars and, you know, the high-end liquor. I just felt like cannabis needed that. Um, there were so many people going around saying they had pre premium cannabis or like luxury cannabis, but I didn't see anything that set it apart. It was just, it was just hearsay. People said they always had the best and this is luxury, but nothing represented it. But, um, when I, when I made the cannabis cigar, I was like, this is it. Like I see this being, a, I, I didn't, I couldn't picture anybody smoking joints or like having a fat bong at, at a wedding, you know, that's, that's not, that's, <laughs> I just didn't see that. It just didn't seem like classy enough. And people want something to feel special with. So that's why I created that um, category. I didn't know. I think some of the other folks didn't know you started originally in edibles. That's That comes as a surprise to me. Was that something you were into in the in the medical market? Uh, BHO or like other concentrates. And I wanted to keep it as natural as, natural as possible. With um, So I used rosin. Um, to infuse my my toffee and, and people loved that because uh, a lot of people were actually taking my toffee for medical reasons and they had like back pains and this and that and they, they would try other edibles and they said it would give them like stomach aches you know at least the ones that are infused with BHO or like uh, RSO or whatever they said when they do when they have edibles with uh, rosin it, it didn't give them any problems and it helped it also helped heal their pain or whatever they were going through it and I know you use rosin, or at least you did early on in the in the, in the Canagor days. Are you still using rosin? Not in five hundred two. When we first when we first started the brand in Washington, you know our Canagors were infused with rosin. Like the Canarillos were a half a gram of rosin to the four gram flour, and then our um, our bigger Canagor, the twelve gram had three grams of rosin in it and then you know as soon as people started seeing what we were doing um a lot of people wanted to start their own um Canagar brand too and then they found out uh you're not supposed to infuse anything over one gram so that's why you always see pre-rolls that are the only things infused because anything over a gram uh, isn't allowed by the lcb so uh, when they they had that problem, I didn't I didn't know about that problem. But uh, when those guys found out, they started um, uh, telling the LCB about us and this and that, and so we had to stop doing it. And so now it's just all flour. I'm, I'm hoping those rules will come in the future. And the, the rosin really made the experience a lot a lot better. It, it burned a lot longer, and it also had a lot more flavor than just the flour and. Yeah, and a lot of people, a lot of people love the rosin. Just for those that are, are listening, LCB is the Liquor and Cannabis Board, and I five hundred two is the Washington uh, State Seed to Sale platform, if you will. Talk about the experience. I mean, you, you were talking about a luxury product before. Everybody does talk about the best weed, but few people serve it up in really interesting ways. I think of your brand as as a perfect example. As a luxury brand, there are a few come out as Canagars. I know they do have some competition in in Nevada and California, but but as far as I know, you were the first Canagar brand to come out. So you want to tell us about that journey, how you came out with the Canagar brand, how you created aura of luxury around it, how you were able to get it into the various influencers' hands. Like, tell us about that. Oh man, it's it's, it's crazy. Like, it's been a miracle, and how a brand has been 
has got to where it is, right? It's like, you know, when I first started branding these Canagars, I, I wanted to focus um, on everything that the cigar industry was doing and just co- copied every, uh, everything they did. And I wanted to be different, you know, just create this, uh, create rituals and, you know, lighting the cigar where when you cut it and, you know, the presentation, even just pulling it out um, is, a, is a whole experience. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a challenge because, you know, when I first came out and the, the Canagars were very, had to be priced very high because a lot of labor gets put in, into making these Canagars from stuff, from collecting the leaves and stuffing the core. And then you have to wrap each leaf meticulously, meticulously around the, around the core. And then after you're done wrapping the Canagars, um, you have to wait to let it cure for at least a minimum of a month. So it's almost like a wine, and uh, yeah, it's, it's 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 been a it's been a challenge. And telling people that uh, these Canagars at the uh, when we first came out, um, the twelve grammars were four hundred twenty dollars, and people laughed at me like, "Man, nobody's gonna pay for that." I was like, "Why not? People pay five hundred dollars, thousands of dollars for uh, bottles of liquor. Why would they not freaking uh, do that for, with cannabis? You know, like you guys just I just felt like people were always thinking." level like yeah hip-hop or this and that and i don't know just just kids on the streets I'm, i was looking to attract the people that, that matured brilliant and i think the way you've sort of marketed it has been has been great can you tell us about your experience with two chains and how that went yeah so so um that that, that all goes to my marketing because you know i i did everything that the cigar industry was doing and i wanted to market it that way so i could attract the the crowd i wanted and i pictured I pictured my brand being on that on show just because he would always have these. He had like sooner or later they like they like called me up. It was, it's crazy. Like all the all the marketing that I've done in uh, with the brand, I I never contacted any, any magazines. I never contacted any celebrities. I never con- contacted anyone. They all they all came to me. It was it's crazy. Even the magazines that asked for like you know ad space and you know where you got to pay it, and I'm like, no, nah, I don't want to pay for it. Ad space, I can't keep up with selling my cannagars as it is. But um, sooner or later, like, all right, we'll just write an article on you <laughs> for free. I was like, okay, it's, it's been crazy. And, and the whole two chains thing was, and Vice contacted me. Um, it was it was a big surprise. So I'm, I'm a big believer of that. Uh, put it out in the universe, and it'll come. To, after seeing what this brand's gone through, I, I really believe that. So it's been more organic growth. I'm really surprised to hear you say you haven't really done marketing. It's kind of marketed itself. Dime on marketing besides like giving free product to people. So it's crazy. <laughs> Are you moving into new states? I know you were working down in Nevada, which I think is Vegas is the perfect place for a baller brand like Lyra. Tell me about that. Yeah, Vegas is, uh, I, I, I really believe our brand belongs in, um, Places like Vegas, California, Florida, New York, you know, where there's a lot of ballers that, you know, like to show off their money. Unlike Washington, the ballers over here are very conservative and like to like drive Priuses and stuff, you know. Um, <laughs> they're not too flashy over here. It's a different culture because in Vegas, um, we had our, we had our Canagars at Planet 13 and what we produce in Washington that gets distributed to over 25 stores. We, we send to that what we produce here in Washington, we produce for one store in Las Vegas and they're sold out in two weeks. It's crazy. Are the products exactly the same? Different there too. Like, uh, yeah, it's 
infused products, but they can't be over a certain amount of milligrams or something. The only state that I know that allows um, infused products over one gram is uh, Colorado. Like I could have my Canagars in Colorado, the original Canagars with three grams of rosin, this and that in Colorado. But fortunately, we're not we're not in Colorado. <laughs> Things, I guess, prior pandemic were taking off in, in Vegas in terms of sales of Canagor. So obviously, there's a slowdown in business during the pandemic. Has that start to come back, or what's that like now? Um, actually, the, the pandemic didn't really um, bother our sales in Las Vegas. They still sold out when we had um, we did produce them. It's just... Um, my brother and I, well, mostly my brother, but would be the one that would fly down there to roll some up and then come back and then due to the pandemic, it slowed a lot of things down. So um, we didn't want to travel as much. And then also like flour is a scarcity in Las Vegas right now. Because um, if we were good to use even like a B grade quality flour, it'd be like 25, three, over $3,000 a pound, which is a lot. And, and a lot of people are selling out of their wheat over there in the, Vegas, like two months ahead. Are the Canagars all handmade? And, and when they're made in different states, or in this case in Nevada, he's the one that flies there to make them within state? Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I'll go there and help them too. Most companies, when they sell or license across states, they're working with people that do the work for them, so to speak. Hopefully you'll be able to uh, find some cigar rollers when you finally get down into uh, Miami. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that'd be nice. Yeah, that's our next uh, thing is to just pull up and have it be like a licensing deal. It's just been a challenge though, because like Washington, I mean, not to brag, just because I work, because we work with the garden, um, Gold Leaf is real good quality flour. And I have not smoked anything near that quality uh, in any other state. Cool. Do, do you want to talk about Gold Leaf and give them a shout out for a minute? Well, when I started the, the brand, um, it was hard to source. Uh, find, it was hard to find, like, the perfect garden. We've, we've been to so many gardens uh, to where we'd stick our head in the turkey bag, and you can't even smell the terpenes. I'm like, man, there's no way we can roll this up in a category at that price uh, with this quality flower. And um, I've always read about gold leaf um, on the Internet and stuff like that, how they do all organic, growing, um, using soil, and things like that. And I was like, man, these guys are perfect. It's all organic. You know, they don't use like um, auto nutrients that, you know, that sometimes can cause cancer and this and that. And I think, and I always told myself, man, this flower would be perfect for the brand. Um, and the price would, would explain that. And they were the first garden that we worked with. So that's crazy. They contacted me again. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's crazy. So you were making cigars before you were connected with Gold Leaf? Yeah, I was just doing like I had a I had a small um, tent in my garage, and you know, and I was in medical. I had my medical card, but um, yeah, that's all I was doing. What are your thoughts on on the future of the industry? Where do you think it's going? Man, it's it's hard to say with this whole pandemic. I do see I do see a lot of our brands in the future. Um, you know, just like there are multiple cigar brands. It's, it's just it's just hard with this pandemic or what's life going to be after pandemic or people still going to have like these uh parties and stuff get togethers you know and like i said are people going to be like more 
germophobic and not share. People are going to be still be willing to spend $400 on something they're not willing to share because of fear of germs or I don't know. It's just hard, it's just hard to say right now. I know smoking is a big part of cannabis right now. I know other people are kind of betting on beverages. I think the health reasons around smoking people are concerned about, not only because it's cannabis. And tell me about your thoughts around that, just the health side of cannabis cigar brand. How do you get around that? No, there will always be a place for smokable. Like people that smoke know the dangers of all the cars. I mean, of course, there'll be other people into it and they'll just be in or edibles and things like that. But I think there are, I don't think smoking's ever going to have articles of everybody dying of cancer like they did tobacco. I see tobacco smokers who moved away from tobacco, moved toward vaping. Then there was the vape crisis. And now they're like, what do I do? You know, so I, I mean, for them, way they're not vaping, but they're not smoking tobacco. So I don't know. I just think people, people may not, not everybody will move away from smoking is what I'm saying. But those that stay will probably look for some sort of healthier alternative. Yeah, yeah, right. That's, that's the reason why we got into the hemp uh, categories because there are people that, um, you know, had smoking cigars or tobacco cigars. And they didn't want to smoke weed because some of them can't handle the, the potency of the THC, but they, they just want something to smoke and um, that could make them feel good. And a lot of, a lot of cigar smokers have been um, switching to um, hemp, you know, to still have that the luxury of being able to smoke something, work, and things like that. Could you talk about some of the boxes you've done with wood engraving, some of the customization type of, types of things you've done, talks to the experience of your brand? Yeah, yeah. So um, a lot of our um, boxes and stuff are, I engrave myself. We have a laser engraver. Yeah, and it helps to be a, a graphic designer because I don't have to go to anybody to do things for me. I could just do it myself. Um, but, yeah, that's, with the lyric, I've, I've wanted to create uh, a full experience, not with just the categories, but, you know, accessories and categories, even just the ritual. I think in the future, everything's going to be focused more on the branding and, and their target audience. Because um, right now, I don't think there's a lot of brands that can, that have like a, a culture they're trying to, trying to um, influence, unlike uh, other, other brands outside of cannabis, you know. Mm-hmm. Right now, it's all about the flower and what the names are and this and that. But I think eventually, I mean, you're starting to see it. You're starting to see people focus more on their packaging and how they market their product is different now. What are your next steps? How do you get to Vegas? How do you get to New York? What, what are those things you're doing to put into place to take your brand to the places that are more appropriate for it? Uh, I've just been doing a lot of networking, you know. Networking is a big uh, tool that helps me get to places and, um, you know, meet the right people. Do you find that's easier now or, or is that harder now during the pandemic? All of the events we would have normally gone to, MJ Biz and all the other events just aren't happening like they were. How are you finding that? How do you connect? I don't really think the the events really helped much with, with the networking. I'm sure, sure, um, sure, yeah, there's a lot of networking at these events, but like the right people that I'm trying to talk to, don't hang out at these events straightforward through email and um you you wouldn't find the people that i talk to at, at events like this as far as like athletes and things like that so they're flying into boeing field on their lear jets to pick up your categories on their way to las vegas yeah something like that <laughs>
We have a couple of minutes left. Do you have any advice for anybody that is trying to build a brand in the cannabis space? Started off talking about toffee, edibles, and, and then brought you into categories. Talk about that journey for a minute and, and figuring that out. And, and if you can, share with any of our listeners how they may be able to use that information and, and sort of your experience and, and sort of better get to the place they're trying to get to. Oh, man. The cannabis industry is tough. You really got to have your branding on point. I, I think right now if you're going to c- come out with a strong brand, have your branding on top and um, have focus on your target market and things like that. Um, it is hard to, to source good material. But if you have like an edible or something that's something different, um, you're probably more likely to be successful with the edible than you are starting like a flower brand or something. You know what I find is interesting? Pre-roll in many, in many aspects could be anything, whether it's high quality to low quality, branded or unbranded. When you get to a canagar, a cigar has just so much symbolism built into it. Something you smoke at a wedding, it's something you hand out when you have a baby. I mean, I could go down the list of all the rituals there are around cigars, but or champagne for that matter. Yes, champagne would be would be nice. The only thing sucks is with the uh, with the rules is you know you can't has to be like a uh, CRP child uh, has has to have like child protective um, packaging and uh, that that wouldn't come with the, the popping of the cork and I think popping of the cork that that's what the champagne's about and to screw a bottle of champagne just takes away from that. It's definitely part of the the ritual and the um, part of the need state, right, in the experience. But you spoke about that earlier too, you know, cutting a cigar and, and sort of taking it out of your pocket or taking it out of its its container. I mean, your containers also, your glass containers have, have like a purple wax over the end with a cork, right? So a seal, if you will. So there's a real experience about popping that out of its jar and, and cutting it and smelling it and lighting it up, right? Yeah. Those things are all built into these types of form factors, but they're not necessarily built into others. Like, you know, so that's where I think it actually even gets maybe even harder to develop a brand, a cannabis brand. If it's a juice or if it's a soda or if it's a pre-roll, those things could mean so many things to so many different people. But champagne and cigars, you know what they mean. It's kind of crazy when you just see like all these new brands coming out and they're all doing, they all want to do the same thing. Like it's just... Like I still don't even get why I still get ads for people for um, people trying to sell me packaging and, and they're still trying to sell the medication bottles as packaging for flour. I'm just like, dude, this is horrible. You just lost me. I'm not even going to look at this this link. <laughs> I mean, there are so many segments. There's so many people with different levels of, of, of cannabis experience. As people become more educated and as sort of the message becomes more unified, then it just, it will become okay. But I still think people are really confused about cannabis, what it is, what it's not. I, I just think we, we got to get kind of through that. I don't know if you, if you feel the same way. You know what's crazy is like, I've been doing cannabis for so many years. Like I still haven't learned everything about cannabis. Like you, all of a sudden you're hearing people talk about CBD, CBG, THCA, THC, uh, Delta 9, THC, I mean, Delta 8, THC, which is legal and you can ship everywhere. I'm like, wait, what? And then now you hear about like, you hear, you're hearing about all these new molecules of, of cannabis that 
you didn't hear about before, even like THCV, which gets you high but doesn't give you the munchies, which would be perfect for people that are into fitness and <laughs> you know, it's just it's just it's just crazy. Like what else is what else are they gonna bring out next week? Well there's a new molecule that can do this or that. Right. Many, many uses. The regulatory um, folks are just so far behind they don't know what's going on. They re- they really don't. They just don't get it and they're still focused on on levels of THC in in, in both hemp and cannabis. But we'll get there eventually. <laughs> Yeah, hopefully soon. Do you have anything you'd like to share in the last few minutes? Talking about your vision of, of the future for Lyra. Any any thoughts or final comments? Oh, uh, no, I can't think of anything right now. Well, you didn't come prepared for that last question, did you? <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I've got a question for you. This is what I ask my attorney, my dentist, and my accountant when I see them which is not very often, by the way, but I always, I always ask them, are there any questions I should have asked that I didn't? Yeah, I don't know. I can't <laughs> All right. Well, then, uh, then I think I, I've, I've done my job tonight. If you can't think of a question you want me to ask you, then I think we're covered. Thanks for listening in. We've covered it all with Ariel, but there's many more episodes of Branding Bud with some of the best minds in the cannabis industry. Check out all of the episodes on brandingbud.com, Anchor, and your other favorite podcast platforms. You can also find me on the Clubhouse app live every Monday night at 8 p.m. PST, 11 p.m. EST. Thanks again for listening in and see you next week. 